Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Welcome to episode 79 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thank you for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, the Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear in the Observer's Notebook, you can donate to it via Patreon by giving as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast and one year's membership to the AALPO. You can help us out by going to www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Observer's Notebook. And I'd like to take this moment just to thank our current Patreon supporters. They are Jason Inman, Jerry White, Ken Poshedley, Matthew Benton, Matthew Will, Michael Moyer, Sean Dillis, Steve, Stephen Bennett, and of course, Steve Seed and Top. These, these people on this list help out the podcast tremendously. Without their support, there would be no Observer's Notebook. So thank you. And if you enjoy it, please think about helping us out. Like I said, a dollar a month will go a long way. It really will. Um, so if you'd like to join the ALPO, you can for as little as $18 a year. You can visit us on the internet at alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find the ALPO on Facebook, book Facebook just search for ALPO astronomy and also the observers notebook has a Facebook page as well just search for observers notebook if you enjoy what you hear in the podcast please subscribe any of the mediums you listen to it if you listen to it on iTunes uh, iHeartRadio anything like this you can subscribe you'll never miss another episode of the podcast and now episode 79 with Bob Lunsford we're going to talk about the Orionids meteor shower All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to uh, the Observer's Notebook. And today we have a, I don't know how many, six, seven-time repeat customer here, Bob Lunsford, the coordinator of the Meteor section. Welcome back, Bob. Uh, thank you very much. It's always fun to talk about meteors. It is, it is. Uh, why don't you just give everybody a little two-minute background about yourself before we get into it? Sure. I've uh, been observing meteors, gosh, going back to the big storm in 1966 of the Leonids which I naturally missed the peak, but uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you're, you're dumb and stupid and young. <laughs> but um, that started it, and I've been basically following the major showers ever since then, a long time now. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are going to focus on the Orionids meteor shower, which is coming up in a few days, but 
why don't you just give everybody a little background about what exactly is a meteor shower? A meteor shower is an enhancement of the meteor rates when the Earth passes through a stream uh, created by a comet or an asteroid. Um, these tend to happen pretty much on the same night, year after year, with a little variation and a little variation in rate. Uh, the big bugaboo about meteor showers is the moon. Uh, if you have a full moon on the night of maximum, you're going to be pretty much out of luck. This year for the Orionids, the uh, last quarter moon occurs on the 21st. So uh, conditions could be better, but uh, it's actually not too bad if you, uh, you know, turn your back to the moon and look toward the darkest part of the sky. So uh, compared to the Perseids, all is not lost. Well, that's good. I heard the Perseids weren't all that bad, though, either this year. Actually not. Uh, we got lucky. The moon set about uh, 45 minutes before it got light. So uh, people who were out during that dark window saw a pretty darn good display, including fireballs. Very cool. Now, this is the Orionids. Uh, let me take a wild guess here that the, the uh, radiant is in a constellation called Orion. Very good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so what are the dates and times uh, to observe this? Well, they're actually visible right now. Uh, the rate's only one or two an hour, and the radiant is not in Orion. It's uh, about five degrees east of the bright star Aldebaran in, in the constellation of Taurus. Now, the radiant moves eastward to the Earth's revolution around the sun, about one degree per day, so it will be crossing the, the border into Orion right before maximum, and the radiant on the night of maximum, which will be October 21st, uh, then the morning of 22nd, will be in the club of Orion in the most northeasterly uh, extreme part of the constellation. That's uh, very good for northern observers because they, uh, at about four o'clock in the morning, the uh, radiant only be about 20 to 30 degrees uh, south of the zenith. So it'll be way up there and uh, put on a good display. Now, you mentioned the meteor showers are often associated with comets. Is this one associated with a comet as well? Oh, you bet. It's associated with a big one, uh, Halley's Comet. Oh, I heard of that. And what's interesting is we actually encounter Halley's Comet's uh, particles twice every year. In May, uh, we have the Eta Aquarius, which are the outbound uh, particles from Halley's Comet. And those are limited only to the very early morning hours. And in October, we are um, intersecting the inbound particles from Halley's Comet. And as long as Orion's above the horizon, which happens about 10 p.m. this time of year, you can see Orionid meteors. Huh. Now, okay, we're, we are passing through the orbit of Halley's Comet when this comes, right? That's, That's correct. So something I don't think I've ever asked you is, when, let's say, Halley's Comet, I think it's coming next in 2061. So in 2059 right. and 2060, would we expect, not that I'll be around then, but would, could we expect a larger meteor shower when it's closer to the actual comet? Actually not, because the current orbit of Halley's Comet is too far from the Earth mm. to enhance rates. What we are seeing now are past passages of Halley's Comet through the inner solar system. Okay. Not every track is the same due to perturbations by, by the planet. Right. So uh, 
we were probably within the most recent 500 years, it hasn't passed close enough to pre uh, present any any activity. But thank goodness it's been around for a thousand years or more. Yeah. So we can see some of those, those are really, really old ones. And there's still a lot of particles to be seen. Fantastic. In fact, it, the, the, the uh, particles of Halley's are so spread out, we, are, we encounter them the last week of September through the entire month of October and about halfway through November. It just happens to be that we pass through the core of these, these orbits right around October 22nd. Okay, and what, what are some of the characteristics of Orionid meteors? Well, they tend to be faint. Uh, same thing with the Eta Aquarius. So the moon's not gonna help, but uh, still there are possibility of fireballs. And we're, we're striking these meteors at almost a head-on position, so uh, they're fast. And if there are any meteors brighter than, I say, 920, it should leave a persistent train, which is kind of a smoke, smoky trail after the meteors disappear. And okay. they can be seen in any part of the sky, like I said, as long as Orion's above the horizon. And the best time is around four in the morning when Orion stands highest in the southern sky. And how many at the peak would you say we're seeing? Due to the moon, I would say we'll probably get about 15 to 20 this year. Okay. Well, that's still not bad. No, that's not bad at all. And uh, like I said, you'll have to make sure the moon's not in your field of view or that'll uh, That'll uh, hurt your night vision, which is yeah. not a good thing. <laughs> now, are these are these fast traveling meteors? Or are they slow? Or no, they are fast. In contrast to the Taurids, which is located about thirty degrees to the west, the Taurids are are much slower. Um, if if you're looking toward Orion, you'll see slower meteors, also shooting in all directions, and the Taurids tend to fragment and. They tend to be colored uh, red and orange and yellow, whereas most of the um, the Orionids are, are too faint to possess any colors. And if they do, if they if they are bright enough, they tend to be more green or blue or, 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 or white. Okay. Well, if someone wants to observe the meteor shower, where should they go? Well, I would suggest trying to find the darkest spot as possible. Even if the moon's out, uh, if you can find a, a location that's high in elevation above all the, all the thick atmosphere, that would certainly help. That increases the transparency of your sky and allows you to see fainter stars and therefore fainter meteors. Um, try to observe um, the moon with its last quarter should be rising about 1 a.m. So probably wouldn't do you much good to observe before then because the, the radio will be low in the east. But uh, like I said, uh, follow Orion, keep the moon slightly out of your field of view, and hopefully you'll see a good show. And be, be sure and bundle up. There's, n there's nothing worse than being out there and freezing. That's, <laughs> Trying that's to watch true. Meteors. That's very true. And the nice thing about observing meters, you don't need a telescope. You get yourself a lounge chair and a blanket and some hot chocolate and spend an hour or so outside. What, what, how long do you think 
I mean, if you want submissions to the uh, to the meter section, how long should someone actually observe? Actually, you should observe for at least an hour. I know a lot of folks go out and they don't see anything for five or ten minutes. And that's because meteor showers are notoriously hot and cold. You'll, you'll, this, you know, peaks and valleys, you'll go out there and if you hit one of those valleys, you won't see anything. This happens with every shower, even the first season and, and the Geminis, the two strongest showers of the year. So we ask that you watch for at least an hour so you can catch both peaks and valleys. You'll go that 10 minutes without seeing any, and then you'll see four or five within five minutes. So it's really important. And besides, the uh, hourly rate is, is the basis for all um, analysis of media showers. So if we don't have to correct your, your time due to a shortage, that really helps. Us. Okay. And when people want to submit observations to you, how would they go about doing that? They can catch my email address on the uh, Alpole website. And we also have forms on, on the media section that you can uh, download and print. And even even verbal reports on forums are 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 via email are, are welcome. Okay, so I'll put your contact information and a link to the uh, ALPO meteor section on the show notes so everybody can go there. Right. We will also have an article specifically on the Orionids at least a week beforehand. Okay. So folks can look out for that. And speaking of looking out, there's no moon right now, and. Uh, there's been a lot of fireballs lately. Uh, a lot of these are associated with the Tarids, which peak toward the later part of the month. But uh, they're, they're like I said, they're slow and they're bright and they're pretty impressive. Unfortunately, the rates are only a couple of hours right now. But if you get lucky, you might see one within a few minutes after being outside. In fact, I was lucky. And I caught a fireball last night. Unfortunately, it wasn't a tarred, but I'll still take it. <laughs> and when you mean you said you caught it, how did you do that? Well, in my old age, I'm getting lazy. So I have a uh, photographic system with uh, six cameras out back. And they scan different parts of the sky. And if any motion passes through their field of view, it will take a video and a still picture of them. So that way, I can see any birds, bats, clouds, anything that passes through my field of view at night. That's wild. Now, is that a uh, is that a turnkey system that you bought, or is it something you put together yourself? Actually, it's available from the American Meteor Society. It's called an All Sky Six. Really? And uh, yeah, and actually, I'm part of the uh, University of Arizona program. He, the astronomy leader there, brought I. A whole batch of them and have spread them over Arizona and Southern California. And I just happened to have one for the San Diego area. Oh, fantastic. Now, uh, with that, you sent me a video of that, of the, of the uh, meteor that you photographed. Is that available online? Did you put it on YouTube or anything? Not, not yet. Actually, uh, we're trying to see if the uh, guy in Prescott, Arizona, um, got that. If so, we'll make a uh, article on it, and uh, then then everything will be available. Right now, we're doing an analysis on that. So okay, all right. Well, I'd like to I'd like to share it with our listeners too. You if bet. You, I'll, if, I'll let you know. 
But yeah. it appears that it uh, was over the uh, Mojave Desert, heading toward the northeast, and disappeared uh, probably near Parker, Arizona. So, great, great. Well, that, that's really cool. So the the, the telescope, uh, the camera kit is available through the American Meteor Society. That is correct. And you're, what, what's your role with them? <laughs> How about Jack of all trades? <laughs> <laughs> Bottle washer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Actually, I get to do the grunt work of analyzing all the fireball reports we get. So uh, I've held every title in there except for executive director. So and that's probably smart. <laughs> right now, how about fireball coordinator? That that sounds impressive, right? Ooh, that is, you should put that on a business card. <laughs> uh, fireball coordinator. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool. That's, now, what, 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 got you, what got you interested in, in meteor showers? I don't know. I've, I've always liked fireworks. So, uh, uh, you know, you, you know, you're pretty much limited to uh, homecoming or 4th of July. So uh, well, these are uh, natural. If, if you know that nature is going to produce it from its own fireworks on a certain night, what the heck? Uh, go out and check it out. Yeah, and I've seen some pretty wild fire uh, fireworks, uh, um, meter showers in my time, and they're very, very memorable. That's for sure. In fact, a lot of folks uh, get to start in astronomy. Yep, that's true. You know, a, a fireball or bull light or a night uh, that they see hundreds and hundreds of meteors. Yeah. Now, do we have any other meteor showers coming up in the near future? Well, we have the Leonids in November. Unfortunately, they peak right next to the full moon. So uh, they will not produce more than five an hour. So that time of the year, probably not worth it. Okay. The Geminids will peak on the night of December 13th, 14th. The moon <laughs> will be full on the 13th. But, but I guarantee if you have clear, transparent sky and look away from the moon, you'll still see 15 to 20 meteors an hour. Wow. Okay. Because the the, the Geminids are so strong and so bright that they'll easily be seen despite a full moon. Fantastic. Well, we'll have to get together in December and chat about that one and put up a podcast for that. Right. That sounds great. It's like a plan. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Not right now. I think we've covered everything, and I just hope everybody clear skies, and hopefully the summer haze is gone and get a good look at these media showers. This Great. is the quarter of the year to view meteors in the Northern Hemisphere. That's true. All right, Bob. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. Again, I want to thank Bob Lunsford for our resident meteor shower expert coming on the podcast and talking about the upcoming Orionids. Get out there on the 21st and 22nd of October and observe and let us know what you see. You can post uh, your observations on our Twitter page or on Facebook. We'd like to hear. We upload a new episode of The Observer's Notebook every, on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. It helps bring new listeners on to the podcast. You can also listen on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon Echo. 
You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. You can give up to $35 a month, where you will receive one year's membership to the ALPA and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I again want to thank the producer of this podcast, Steve Seedentop, for his continued generous support of the podcast. The link for Patreon, it's like for the ALPO, is in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at, at @observersnbpod. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>